This is CliffCentral.com. Grant, I need to make a critical business decision. We've been expanding rapidly, and my gut feel tells me that we should be investing for growth. But I need to put some financial science behind that gut feel of mine. Don't you have a financial manager or director that can help you with that? But isn't that rather expensive? It doesn't have to be. Why don't you contact the finance team? They're a consultancy that can provide you with a part-time financial manager or director at a fraction of the cost of a full-time resource. Go to thefinanceteam.co.za. Welcome to our Business Masterclass. I'm Richard Angus, CEO of the Finance Team, your part-time financial executive solution. Joining me in studio as part of our panel, as always, is Safia Boulay of New Habits, Making Shift Happen. Hi, Richard. In this first half hour, our business skills conversation is brought to you in association with USB Ed. Last week, we spoke to Adam Rabinovitz on the whole question of establishing customer communities. Today's theme is part of our focus on ethics, our monthly feature. We have the question of what is the value of business ethics? And remember our hashtag, hashtag keeping ethics alive. Joining us in studio, as always, is our guest, Cynthia Skuman of Ethics Monitor. Welcome, Cynthia. Thank you, Richard. And thank you for taking the time and for your commitment to this program. We really do appreciate the, the focus on ethics. And as always, ethics is always a uh, gift that we see every Sunday or every weekend. Somebody said to me, Abu Ghani, the gift that just keeps on giving. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> with, our, with our friends at the Gupta Leaks. So the whole question, what is the value of business, business ethics? I mean, when I saw that question, I thought to myself, well, I think we all intuitively go ethics are valuable. And, yes. we, and we just kind of, you know, full stop. Yes. But why, why even the question? And, and I guess, you know, so I'm a chartered accountant. I run businesses. Is there a value that I, as a business owner, can place on business ethics within my organization? And then I think to myself, well, perhaps Brian Manofi and the friends at Eskom, if they had asked themselves this question and their esteemed CFO, who I'm not very impressed with given his uh, actions and how he brings my, my industry into disrepute. Yes. Sorry, just putting it out there. <laughs> um, you know, if they were to ask the question, well, what is the value of business ethics in, for example, Eskom? Yeah, you, you kind of think to yourself, sure, okay, now, now I see why the question is relevant. I mean, what is the value of business ethics? Yes, I, I think there are a number of aspects to it, but what's so crucial about the question comes back to the point you alluded to in terms of your profession, that if we want to improve the ethics in an organization, if we want to build an ethical culture, the chances are wishing and hoping is not going to be an adequate strategy. Mm. The chances are you're actually going to have to do something, spend some time. I mean, real executive time. You're going to have to put some resources into it. It doesn't mean it has to be massive, but you are going to have to allocate time, attention, resources. Mm. And the minute we do that in business, I think it is not only appropriate, I think it's important that we say, why are we allocating these costs this time? What is that we want to achieve. So there needs to be a business rationale. And, and therefore, I'm saying if you're going to pursue ethics, I think one should pause and say, okay, well, what's the value of ethics to us? And there are a number of ways of answering that. But at the simplest level, I like to bring it down to almost the level of all of us as consumers and, and point out to people that do you know as consumers – Almost without exception, we are all already making ethical choices, in other words, dealing with companies that we think are more ethical. 
And, you know, I've often had audiences say, oh, no, 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 nothing comes to mind. And I say it's not perhaps that we're using the word ethics, but whether you're looking at, I don't know, insurance product, a healthcare product, whatever, the question you like me to ask is, can I trust this organization? Will they treat me fairly? So just at, at a simple level of a consumer, does ethics have a value? Actually, we as consumers are choosing organizations from, honestly, the handyman you allow to your home. Can I trust this person? Yes, no problem, and they get the business. Mm. Now, that's an interesting kind of – because I always always think, you know, do you make the choices? And I think lots of people, unfortunately, make choices. You know, they talk about – let's call it the customer um, – framework of evaluation and I think comes right at the top of that list is always the the price question you know how much is this going to cost me but I mean if let, let me contrast this you know here's here's plumber A and plumber B and the price differ, you know there's a price differential between them but I look at plumber B and go hmm I'm not so sure I'm comfortable here and 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 I guess it does go down to trust ethics <laughs> Just, just your gut feel in personal yeah. services or, or the likes. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I guess, you know, when you think about it, price doesn't always override everything and yes. that gut feel and the ethical space, obviously. But now where's the line between, let me call it ethics and trust or are they one and the same thing? I, I think one, one shouldn't separate them out. <clears throat> the, the reality is what builds trust. Is when I can look at you and, and I can recognize that you'll behave ethically because what that implies is you'll behave honestly, you'll behave fairly, you'll deliver the quality you, you said you would and the like. Mm. And, and so when we, when we expand that beyond a, a small consumer example and when we take it into much larger examples, do you know if you were looking at, at making some massive investments, tell me, would you put any money into Eskom at the moment? I mean, they could, SAA could do with it. I mean, yeah. would you consider this? And and the answer is, why wouldn't you? Mm. Well, I, I think there's, and I mean, in, in the whole world of sustainability, um, there's this question of what we call sustainable investing. And there's also the element of, let's call it ethical investing. So if you feel, and I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll put it to you, as you, as you said, that, you know, nobody right now is rushing to dial KPMG as their new auditor and ask them to be their new auditor. I'm sure. Yeah. I, I can, I, I'm pretty sure if I was to ask KPMG, how many quality leads for new audit opportunities did you get in the last six months? And we do an evaluation of the next six months. Those numbers are going to be fundamentally different. So it goes to exactly what you're talking of. The, the choices of investing, the choices of doing business. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, uh, let me go to your, your, your comment about, Treating customers fairly. I mean, we, we've had that whole, let's call it that wording, you know, treating customers fairly happening in the financial services space and in, in the services environment. And it almost feels a little bit, um, not wrong, but it's a bit strange that we have to tell people <laughs> that they have to treat customers yes. fairly. I yes. mean, it, it's a little bit, it's a little bit kind of, You'd think it'd be a given. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 like okay, breathe in, breathe out, exactly. breathe in, breathe out. Uh, treat your customer fairly, you know. Yes, yes. But yeah, but that's what you should be doing. <laughs> yeah, but it's become so commonplace for people not to be feeling as though they're being treated fairly. And right now, 
I see so much and it's happening to me where I don't want to be with my cell phone carrier because mm-hmm. when I buy my data, mm-hmm. I've bought, I've paid for it. And then somebody tells me that it has now expired. Mm-hmm. Or when I purchased it, it had no expiration date on it. Ah. Ah. So for me, I have become used to being treated unfairly as a consumer. And yes. so I actually treat most businesses, big businesses that I deal with, with suspicion. Mm. Whereas maybe a year ago or two years ago, I might have been quite, shall we say, mindless mm. yes. about it. Yes. And, uh, and now suddenly I want to read this fine print and I want to exit relationships because I've been done in. Mm. Yes. And, and I think there's something really important in that, in that, cons- let me call it consumer Activism is what yeah. is the word, the buzzword that's that's kind of yeah. grown in the last few years. But it's actually not consumerism or activism in in the true sense of the word. It's actually just don't cut me a raw deal. Yeah, and and it's almost just a case of the consumer finding the voice that they should have always had, but they've never really been able to kind of put out there. And and I guess from a, a value of business ethics, to take it back to that, that theme, is the value of the business ethics is knowing that if if your company has the right ethical behavior, your customers won't be asking the questions that you're asking right now. Yes. And, 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 and I don't think the, uh, I don't think you're unique as a consumer. No. In fact, in fact, I think no. uh, we know that you're not unique and we know that all of these no. customers, uh, I mean, I, I actually ask myself the question, do large corporates actually sit back and consider these sort no. of things? Because I certainly didn't see it happening in, in my world historically. Yeah. Richard, I, I mean, I, do you see people asking these questions? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm interrupting you almost to, to answer that, to say that, that huge organizations that you'd think, you just take it for granted would be looking at this, are, are following some efforts in, in the ethics space, almost on a compliance basis. And I'm thinking, hey, guys, why don't you just back up? Think about this for a moment. Let me come back to your KPMG example. Can we see that where an organization is seen and experienced to be ethical, the, the opposite of what Safia is saying, can we see that that's of huge value? We, we will stay with that company. We'll have loyalty to it. I could list the benefits, but trust is really up there. But on the negative side, where we have um, some reason to be suspicious about an organization, please can we recognize that that, that is, a, is a real problem? So ethics, ironically, can, can both deliver many benefits. But it can also minimize the impact of those negative consequences of ethical failure. So, Cynthia, I'm really asking you to comment on, you know, I'm not going to read the whole quote now, but there's a quote by, um, I think it's Stephen Covey, who says that in his book, The Speed of Trust, that the one thing that accelerates business is trust. Yes. And right now, despite all the compliance in all these large corporates, I really don't feel that I can trust them. And almost the presence of the compliance that I have to be, that I have to be subjected to as a consumer to do business with them is almost like an, it's almost like an announcement of how untrustworthy they are. Yes, yes. And if only they would do stuff right, we wouldn't need all this legislation. And the thing that comes to mind for me is that when you've got all this legislation, the guy who is trying to do his customers in, or doesn't really care about his customers, is going to find a way past it. 
the guy who is caring about his customer, the legislation is irrelevant to him. So it's almost as if the, all this legislation doesn't actually matter. Mm. 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 It well, just chokes the system. Well, I mean, that, that's the one thing that always strikes me is, you know, very – and I mean, you maybe – and maybe we want to answer this question next is, you know, what is the actual value of business ethics? But, I mean, I can tell you now very quickly organizations can tell you what the cost is yeah. of of doing certain things from an ethical compliance perspective. Oh, we have a compliance this and a compliance that, and we do this and we do that. And I look at all those costs, and I go to your point of, okay, great. So you now spent money doing this because you have to or you're told to. Can I just ask a question? Are you spending any money and any effort understanding what your customer needs, you know, what your customers really want, that they, that they don't want to have this scenario of my time got taken when, in fact, it should be non-expiring? Um, you know, who, who's, who's the voice of the customer inside your organization? And does that person have almost let me call it veto rights over stuff like this. And, yeah. and, and by the way, lots of business people may be sitting, listening to this saying veto rights with the voice of the person who has the voice of the customer. Oh, no, we can't have that. Well, the reality is your customer actually has veto rights over you. It's called revenue flow. Yes. Okay. And they will vote with their feet when you choose to make bad decisions. So why not give the person who's kind of, or the people that have got that consciousness, the, the right level of capability to fix this kind of stuff. But it comes exactly back to the point of has the organization truly recognized the extraordinary value that, that they have where they are seen by their customers or any other stakeholder for that matter to, to be ethical. Well, uh, you and know, once you've recognized that value and, and truly placed a value on it, and I'll, I'll add to that in a moment because I think we don't place a value on it well enough. Once you've truly recognized that value, you don't then act against it quite as quickly. But if you haven't applied your mind and placed a value, you haven't acknowledged that you're going to be losing something. Mm, well, I mean, to that point, I mean, I, I think of all over the years and my, you know, my corporate life, I think of all the various surveys and analysis that I saw of industries, companies, etc. And I don't recall ever seeing anywhere on, on, any of those evaluation forms, you know, the best bank of the year, the top this, the top that. I don't ever recall seeing the category that said, and these were the guys that had the highest, you know, or one of the elements of this evaluation was ethical behaviors in that workplace and in that business. It, it's a it's a great lack in this space at the moment. There are some small initiatives, a very nice initiative in the state. Ethisphere does good work there. And, of course, in terms of public sector ethics, Transparency International does amazing annual surveys. But I, I certainly think, and I have looked at it, at a space for, for almost a, a South African ethics index in that regard mm. because we are making those judgments informally. <coughs> but But when we talk about really speaking to that value, I think something that will resonate with both of you is that when I'm working with my clients, I always say to them, I've got uh, my my version of an ROI. Now, I promise you, of course, I know ROI's return on investment. I've got it. But I like to take that into the ethics space as what is and what should be the return on integrity? Hmm. And as the return on investment 
is financial capital, I recognize that the return on integrity is ethical capital. Now, once an organization starts to look at the ethical conduct, at the ethical culture, at how they treat their clients, once they start to recognize that that is building and maintaining ethical capital, then they're really into the space of recognizing the value of ethics and starting to leverage it and for, for the company and their stakeholders' benefits. Mm. So – one of the jokes in the accounting industry is what does ROE stand for, which is return on equity, you know, equity investment in the business. And we always say, actually, no, in many big businesses, it actually is a CEO measure and it's return on ego. <laughs> the egos that are, and, and, and I'm contrasting them because the return on ethics and, and the return, let's call it the return on, you know, on integrity, as you've called it, it kind of goes, Exactly contrary to that, that often because it's often the the ego of me and my business that that kind of shuts down that integrity layer that that's inherent inside the business. Now, how do you go about doing a return on equity, uh, a return on integrity, uh, integrity assessment? Um, there, there are various tools. I, I happen to use a, a web-based Mobi-friendly survey. But the, the point that, that organizations should be aware of in terms of using assessment tools, a very valuable step to assess your ethics. But please be aware that the distinction between evaluating ethical awareness, do you know about this policy or don't you, and ethical behavior is really very different. So I always say that assessing ethical awareness is interesting. It's noteworthy. Mm. But assessing ethical behavior, mm. now that's really critical. Mm. Now, how do, you, how do you get to that behavioral point? Because that's, that's almost a case of don't ask the people who should be doing it. Ask the people they should be doing it to and, and assessing. You know, you don't ask the customer or you don't ask the guys in the service department, so how's your customer service? You ask the customer, how was the service? So how do you do that in the, uh, in that ethical space? You you can of course the survey can work from from asking the the receiver of the mm -hmm. service the customer, um, mm -hmm. but it can also ask be asked internally. Of course, then you've got to phrase the question. So you know it's not useful to send out a, a survey uh, that says tell me when last did you lie. Um, you know <laughs> everyone I'm guessing you're not going to get the right answer here. And so what what how the question how I would phrase the question and how our instrument phrases it is to say to what extent extent have you experienced the following behaviors in your organization? So the, the assessment is not based on trying to, to name or nail anyone. Mm. It's saying, have you experienced, whether it's sexual harassment or corruption or bribery or, I don't know, abuse of companies' assets? And, and then on the positive side, to what extent have you experienced that leaders are honest or fair or, you know, take accountability? And I mean, there, there are a range of questions. Mm. But where you're asking it of the organization, provided the assessment isn't, is genuinely confidential, you get amazing, amazing insights. And of course, for the organization, they should be quantifying ethics because now they've got some management information to work with. They've got an ethics risk profile and they can say, oops, this is a problem. But hey, look at this amazing strength. And and so for me, that's a very valuable step in, in the process of starting to, if you want, um, make the value of ethics more tangible. Mm. Now, 
The one thing that you may, you mentioned now, you said, you know, people perhaps don't don't say what they really experience. If I just go, and I'm sorry, I know we're hopping on this one, but I think it's a, it, it has a number of elements to it. If you go and look at what's happened at KPMG, the reality was that there were people in the audit environment who put on paper in black and white to their senior managers and partners that there was a problem. I mean, there was there's an audit clock that uh, I think it was an audit clock or senior that identified yeah a junior person in the organisation who identified and said, "Yes, this payment for this wedding is not right." Yes. Okay. Now, in my book, okay, that's where KPMG now has a huge, huge thing to answer for because the reality is, not only was it a material item in terms of size. But it was fundamental to the whole integrity of that audit. And I know they're going through a review with the, uh, the um, Urba. Urba. But, I mean, the reality is, the, in my mind, the rest of the auditing professions already judged them yes. on this one. So, it, it, it's just so scary. And so the point I'm getting to is don't be surprised that the people in your organization will actually say what needs to be said. In fact, they're quite willing to do it. Yes, Okay, I can see you thinking of something there. Mm. So for me, it is very, very challenging to have this conversation. I really don't understand um, what it is in our behavior that makes ethics so hard. Because, I mean, I think triple, um, triple bottom line reporting was one of the attempts to get ethics to come onto the, to the, to the balance sheet. Um, there are all these different ways in which mm. ethics and, and, and the scrutiny of ethics have come um, to light <laughs> over the past few years. But the fact of the matter is that this, I haven't heard of, so take the, and I don't mean to harp on the KPMG, um, example, but we're talking about business and we're talking to business. But how many people are continuing the relationship with KPMG? Well, I don't so know. So only one business mm-hmm. has exited the KPMG, um, Signa, 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 yeah, Signa. Signa. And they, they're the only one that have said, it's over, mm. right? We are all the Countless clients that are paying enormous fees to KPMG and saying, perhaps we can't afford to be your client. But I think what what adds to that um, and uh, another facet of that, that I also sometimes at the moment look at and think I'm not getting it. And that is that in the current environment where we are honestly having an almost daily deluge of misconduct, what surprises me is that organizations aren't standing up much more loudly, much more visibly and saying, we are ethical, really, truly making an effort. I've got the recession and, you know, cut back discretionary spend, but I'm Mm. thinking, hey, at the moment, this is honestly the perfect time to be standing up for ethics. It would it would stand you in good well, stead. Well, I think maybe from the show, an ch- open challenge to all the CEOs and boards out there to ask themselves the question, if you have KPMG as the, your auditors, is this the right thing for your company to be doing, to be aligning yourself with their brand given the issues that they're experiencing? And but Richard, please can we add to that and say, can they also look at themselves and say, in the current environment with the sort of dearth of ethics, we're going with the hashtag keeping ethics alive. What are they doing? Mm. And and you know, silence is not a good strategy. Yeah, Uh, 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 no. Well, in fact, 
to your point, Safa, and to that. Silence is consent. Silence is consent. It's Indeed. saying, I rubber stamp this. I'm okay with this. Yes. So, you know, to those CEOs and boards out there, if you keep KPMG on as your auditors, basically what you're saying is they did no wrong. You're okay with this. Mm. And then my comment to the rest of the, <laughs> the, the listening public out there is look back three, four, five months from now. If you're supporting and working with a business that didn't take a stand against KPMG, now you have a question that you have to answer because yes. now you in turn are supporting that business yes. and their inability to hold people accountable. Yes. I was very interested. There was the uh, the recent scenario with the the um, Eskom uh, C, uh, yes, CFO yes, being suspended at the beginning of the, uh, at the end of July and. What what amazed me was that suspension happened basically on the back of pressure from the development bank. Indeed, from business. From business. Development bank, Rand Merchant Bank, and Barclays Africa. Yes. Now, my question is, well, okay, great. Thank you to those three organizations for having the guts to stand yes. up. Okay. But then you have to ask yourself the question, where is everybody else? I know. And, and, and most importantly, I mean, and you know, you know, the, the question, I mean, I guess the question you ask is, can business ethics be leveraged? And the answer actually is absolutely. Yes. And those institutions are standing up and saying, we've, we believe in business ethics. Okay. And the value of those ethics. And you, we believe this behavior is unacceptable and we want something done about this. The question remains, where is everybody else on this? And the, and then we call it the fundamental question is, why does business have to almost threaten a state-owned enterprise yes. into action? Yes. It is absolutely scary that when those, those scenarios evolved and developed, why he wasn't suspended immediately. Well, I, I think it comes back to a point Safia made a, a moment ago, and and that was if we if we look at ethics and and we would think for goodness sake surely everyone will do that, and if they don't, why was the, the point you raised, and and I think we we should never be naive about the amount of money that is involved, mm. and and we can if we want to be negative and say excuse me does everyone have a price you know when that price is five point three billion rand. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a really huge number. Mm. And, and so, so money is often on the other side of, of that, of that Amazing. scale in, in terms of ethics. Mm. But, but here's the current catch. We're sitting with really superb investigative journalists. We're not going to mention the NPA or the Hawksing. Nothing, almost nothing is happening there. But we're sitting with really good investigative journalists. Mm. And is this likely that it'll come out? I mm. would say. So, so are you going to get away with it? Maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. Cynthia, I think the, the whole question of business ethics and the value just, yeah, we can't even begin to measure. Um, clearly something that's, that's fundamental in, in our society and in the fabric of our society where we stand right now. Thank you for spending the time with us. We really do appreciate it. You're welcome. Up next is our business conversation. Stay with us. This is CliffCentral.com.